If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 4. We're going to finish out John 4 today. This is our third uh, message on the woman at the well. It's remarkable when you see that the, that the gospel of John, really very much of it, is a, is a gospel book about witness. And we saw in the first chapter, John the Baptist witnesses about Jesus, and he says, there is the Lamb of God. That there is the one that you're to follow. Then later, Andrew, in the same chapter, follows because John the Baptist has told him. And when he finds Jesus, he then goes and finds Peter and said, we found the Messiah. The witness of one person to another is just so powerful. And it's not really about the person who does the witnessing. It's about that amazement that the person whose life has been changed, who has a testimony to tell, is something so strong. When we get into John chapter 3, John chapter 3 is so powerful. One of the most powerful uh, nuclear weapons that the Bible has. And that's because Jesus begins to witness. And Jesus witnesses to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, I really believe that Nicodemus didn't become a Christian until, until the cross. I really think it took Jesus on the cross for Nicodemus to believe. At the time, Jesus leaves Nicodemus and he doesn't make a profession. He's not changed. There is, he just basically ends the discussion as though he's talking to anybody about anything. That he could be talking to his maker about his soul and it not, doesn't affect him. It is a, a remarkable thing that Jesus is a witness. Well, we have been two weeks in Samaria to this uh, to this red lady who is not even able to talk to her neighbors because she <clears throat> is so embarrassed of her life and she is going to be changed by Jesus Christ so much that she becomes the first apostle. In the book of John, this lady is the first to respond to the gospel. And you have to say that is powerful. When you look that this book is about Jesus Christ being God and the first person that is truly, you see it. You can see the transformation in her life. Now, the other people were ready and believed. I believe that his little group of disciples that he has at the point, he doesn't have his full 12 yet, but the few that he have are learning and seeking, and, and they're reverent. You'll see that today, that they have reverence for him. But this lady just was uncontained as she, her life is just changed right in front of her face. And we'll see that she is the first to be born again. She's transformed, and she has a truth to share, and she becomes the first apostle, really. So I, I have to ask myself, what makes a change in a person? Um, is it a person just acquiring abilities that they didn't have? Is it an education? Is it an exposure? I think she's not the same as she was. <clears throat> There's a difference in her. And what I actually saw is that she saw the glory of God that John spoke about. When John spoke about the glory of God, <clears throat> we beheld his glory as in the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what she saw. She saw the glory of God. And the glory of God did something to her. When, when God says, let there be light, 
There was no discussion. Light simply came. It wasn't a matter that there was um, an argument or a, well, maybe or maybe not, or maybe if I feel like it. When Jesus speaks into Lazarus' grave in chapter 11, Lazarus comes out. It's, it's, a, it's not an issue. When your maker says something, it happens. To the person who speaks light into darkness, he's done that into our hearts. <coughs> and we see that that happened in her life. And the result was what Jesus said last week. Living water will well up in your life and overflow unto eternal life. So something that was not true of her a moment before was true of her. Inside her heart, something changed. There was water flowing up as a spring of life that went out of her, out of her heart to, towards other people. And we're going to see that the very people that she was loath to even be around before, she's going to go to those very people. And she's not going to lurk around and even speak to the women. It's not like she has, she'll have the, the fear is down a little bit to where she can at least talk to her, the people that hate her the least. She goes right to the leaders of the town, to the men who's in charge, goes right up to them and speaks to them instead of having her face on the ground. But she doesn't talk about herself. We do not speak of ourselves. We do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ the Lord. Do you see it? It's not about us. And because it's not about us, hallelujah, we can be evangelists. Because it's not about us. <clears throat> so let's look through this passage together. So let's start in John uh, chapter 4. We'll start in verse 27. And we're going to read. Um, sorry, Josh, I started you in verse 3. We'll start in verse 27 and we'll go on to, to verse 42 at the end. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no man say, what seeketh thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then, then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime, while his disciples uh, prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that thou knowest not of. Therefore saith the disciples one another, Hath he brought anyone uh, him ought to eat? Hath any man brought him ought to eat? Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to the harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit into life eternal. And he that, that soweth, and he that reapeth may be rejoiced together. And herein is the saying true, one sows, and another reaps. I sent you to reap that whereupon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entering into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, 
they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode with them two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said to the woman, Now we believe not for thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. (laughs) My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. This is amazing. It's amazing that you would have people that shouldn't be ready at all to come to the Lord. Not at all. This would be, you wouldn't even put a dollar on the table to think these people would have come to, to knowledge of God through Christ. Except that they were already ready. They were so ready. And now, essentially, he has been talking to the women. And all of his disciples were gone. Don't tell me God didn't do that. They would have muddied the water. They needed to be out of there. Jesus needs to talk to you by yourself. If you come to Jesus, you come to Jesus where Jesus is talking to you. Jesus and you are the one that needs to do business. I can get in your way. And so these people were like, hey, why don't you go to the store? And they all went to the store, and Jesus talked to the lady. And right as they came back, this says in verse 27, and upon this came his his disciples. Okay? At this moment, it says, at this very moment, his disciples return. What very moment? Jesus has just said, I that speaketh unto you am he. That's what he said. That second, and here they come. They walk up the, up the path. And, and she stares into eternity and does what? What's her reaction? She leaves her water pot. She had a pot that she was getting her water from. That was her task. That was what she was doing at that moment. And she hears him say, I am the one speaking to you. She looks into eternity, and God, her maker, is right there. And she absolutely knows it. She knows it. She's not the same. She has been born again, do you see? We have just spent a chapter on Jesus saying, you must be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, who is not born again, is pondering the deep theology about it. And this woman who is the dog, who is the harlot, who is the nobody wants her, the one that isn't even part of the country, is not even part of God's people, is from eternity part of God's people. And God God speaks directly into her life, says, I'm the one you're looking for, and she's changed. And she takes her pot and doesn't even know where she put it. And she runs back to town. She stops what she's doing. She doesn't even say, thank you, thank you, thank you. She runs And she runs to go tell others. And I've always seen it as a kind of a, um, I don't know, I've always felt other people have bullied me. They're like, you need to do some more. You need to be better. You need to go tell people about Jesus. You need to read your Bible. You need to, I've always had people with their finger in my face. And I've always had that pressure of I need to be better. I need to be better. I need to be better. Being better is not where it is. It is being changed. It's being affected by God Almighty. When God Almighty does something, when, he, when there's a visitation, when you have been impacted, when you've been electrocuted, you're not sure or not sure if you've been electrocuted? No, you know and everybody else knows. There is, there is there's a change. When a baby is born, the first thing you listen for is the cry. And this is the cry. 
She is proving that she's been born again by what she's doing. Her actions are speaking as a testimony to her. Do you see? This book is about witness. And her actions are witnessing to Jesus. Her actions are witnessing to the disciples. Her actions are witnessing to her town. And her actions are witnessing to the reader about what has happened in her heart. I can't see what's happening in your heart. I can't see what God can see. All I can see is what I can see. And when John the Baptist was preaching and the, and the soldiers came to him and said, what should we do? And he said, don't extort people for money. Be content with your pay and do not bully people. Well, what should we do? You should repent of your sins and be baptized. Well, what should we do? That idea, he just looked at them and said, produce fruit, meat for repentance. If you're going to repent, repent. If that is what God is saying to do, if there's something that's, if there's life bubbling up unto eternal life, it comes up over the edge and spills over out of your life. That's what it is. It's not something generated. It's not something that you respond to a guilt trip because people tell you you must do something. It's something that happens. When you are electrocuted, you get your finger out of the socket like that. Every muscle is pulling at the same time, and it's not very dignified sometimes. You're going to see that when you are affected by God Almighty, you're not so caring about your dignity in front of other sinners. And this is what she is. She's willing to even speak where she would never speak before. Something is different in her, and she's not compelling herself to do it. So verse 27 says, Upon this came her disciples and marveled as he talked to the woman, yet no one said, What seeks thou, or why do you talk to her? Do you see that right now, the, the disciples, many are beginning to believe on him. We saw that in chapter 2, that he did that, that act, and nobody at the wedding knew what he had done, except his disciples. His disciples knew, and they put their faith in him. So we're seeing that faith is building little bit by little bit. It's like a plant taking root. It's little bits of root that's stronger and stronger and stronger. A strong wind in May can blow your, your vegetables right out of the garden. But as they build, as it grows, as it deepens, things happen under the surface that you can't see that are affecting whether that plant can handle it or not. And that's what's happening in these disciples' lives. They're beginning to trust him. They're beginning to, to, to see who he is. And you're going to see throughout the Gospels over and again they trust in him. It's like retrusting in him and retrusting as though that you're not sure. Uh, I've told Melissa that I love her more than I ever did when I married her. It terrified me that I got married and I only loved her that much. Do you understand? I don't even know how to say it. It was just like, I can't believe I got married on so very little love because compared, my heart's different now. And it, it, it's not that I didn't have roots and now I have roots. It's that my roots have strengthened, my roots have deepened, and now they're now that we're able to weather. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an idea that these disciples are now the person Jesus is speaking to. The lady is now gone. The lady has left her water pot on the well edge, and now the only people staring at Jesus are these men. And that nobody dared say, what are you doing? Why are you talking to her? Do you see? Now that's inside their head. You have to realize John the Apostle is writing this. And John the Apostle was standing at the edge of that well. And John the Apostle was thinking, ugh, 
That was what he was thinking. He had that sense of disgust of, oh, why would, oh, why would he dirty himself? Not only is he talking to, he's talking to a woman, he's talking to a Samaritan, he's talking to a half-breed, he's talking to a, to a person who's compromised, he's talking to a harlot, does he? And everyone always wants Jesus to feel the same way about people that they feel. And Jesus says, no. No, if you had any idea what real sin is, only Jesus could see it. Only someone clean can look at me and see what I really am like. I don't even know what I'm like. So when I, when I vomit a little bit in my throat, when I think of what I'm like, I don't even know the truth. Only Jesus can see me for what really is. And Jesus loves me. See, that, that's the difference. These people wretched at the thought that he was talking to her. And I tell you the truth, God Almighty in heaven went, yeah, that woman is going to win a town while these guys are still in third grade. These guys are still just sitting there not knowing sure, just look, waiting for the bus. They're not even sure what's going on. And these are people, remember, Andrew and Peter, these are people who studied the scriptures. These are people who should be ready. John, who followed John the Baptist, knew his Sunday school. And he's standing there unused. And these, this woman, despite their, their thoughts about her, is now going to be God's first vehicle as an apostle. And you're like, whoa, God will use anybody. God will use anybody. And God used her effectively, big time effectively, way more than you would ever imagine. It amazed everybody. It amazed everybody. The woman left her water pot and went away into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Do you see what's happened? She has begun to worship in spirit and in truth. That's different than something before. She wanted to talk about theology because it was getting Jesus off the subject of her sin. Remember, she avoided it. She evaded it. She didn't want to talk about her sin. She wanted to talk about anything at all but her sin. Jesus put his finger on her sin, call your husband, come back here. And she was like, oh. and she wanted to talk about, I don't know, everything. And Jesus says, there is a time when it's not this mountain that you're going to worship in, and nobody's going to be worshiping in Jerusalem. I don't know if you've ever sought to go to Jerusalem, if that would be something you'd want to do. But we don't need to go to Jerusalem, do you see? We don't need a pilgrimage our pilgrimage happened on a sawdust trail somewhere when you dropped your water pot and traded your life for what Jesus said he would give you. That's, that's what happened. You don't need to go somewhere. It's not about worshiping somewhere. You don't have to go. You don't need to buy a ticket to go somewhere so that you had to have enough money to be a Christian. No, you simply have to trade whatever you have and leave it. And, and take what Jesus had. And what will happen is a well of water will well up your heart unto eternal life. And it will change your life from that moment on. And the world will know that there's a difference in you. Now, if she has begun to worship in spirit and in truth to where she now is responding to her God. That this man, she knows who it is and she's responding that way. She's reborn. She is a new creature. Something has new. And I wrote down three things. <clears throat> They're obvious. You could write these down. 
you just look at them. You're like, okay, what's the first thing you see? What's the second thing? These are just obvious things. First thing is she has a confession of faith. She actually went to the men of the city and said, is this not the Christ? Like, this man told me everything I ever did. Is this man not the Christ? That is a confession. You are saying, I think he's the Christ. What about you? Do you think he's the Christ? That's what a confession of faith is. She has a confession. She has something that is hers, that she now has it. There's something that she's responded. And it's proof of that she was reborn. It's the cry of that baby. You listen for the cry of the baby. Even the people in the waiting rooms wanting to hear the cry. That's what's happening. She's proving that she's alive through what she's doing. One, the first thing that I saw, she had something to say. She has faith, and she's, she's now investigating other people. The second thing I wrote down is this, the second sign was that she had, um, the second sign she had been saved, I, would, I just wrote down saved, was that a change has occurred in her life. She's not the same as she was. And in that change in her life is causing her to do things she would never have even imagined doing. The bravery it would have taken to go to that town. She's the same person, and everyone knows the same things about her. It's not like that that's changed. She now had basically, it's, it's overriding those things that are still there. Her reputation is still there. The idea that the town would even listen to her is, is remarkable. Jesus said, they're white unto the harvest. That's what it is. Why would they respond to her? They shouldn't, except that God is working in our lives. That's what's happening. When you responded to the Lord Jesus, where were you? What was going on? Were you getting better? Did God pay you off by letting you believe? No way. He chased you down and showed Jesus to you, and I don't know what happened. Something remarkable. It would be like a baby being born. It was something that was not life followed by something that's alive. It, it, that's all it is. <clears throat> she's, choose, she's showing that she is saved by her changed life. She's different. Now, we're still sinners, and we can get caught up in the same sin that we've always, always been. Every single thing that was always trapped us before can still trap you. When it says Galatians 6, that the, that the strong among need to help the weak, so if there's someone tr troubled and snagged in their sin, it said the mature among you go and help them. But be careful because you will be trapped by the very same thing that will trap them. The mature among you will go and help. So a mature person is not going to come in like the Lone Ranger and say, oh, yeah, well, you just need to obey God or you need to do right and straighten up and get a haircut. It's not all about that. It's about... A person who realizes that my sins have hurt me every time and I'm just as prone for my sins as I ever was and my soul is safe and the only thing keeping my, my hands clean is my life is now watching Jesus and there is a river of life coming out of my heart that is overflowing and it's keeping me looking towards my Savior and as I look towards my Savior, I'm not so interested in my sins. My water part gets left alone, do you see? It's, a, it's something that happens to you. Her life has been changed, and she's just as amazed. It's not that she's making it happen. She's responding as you would respond, as I've responded, as you're living this life. And when you sin, 
you have a savior. And you just say, shame on me, God, please take my sin and trade me for your righteousness. That's what Jesus does for us. And one day it'll be gone. You don't have to worry about it. It'll be gone. Your sin will be gone. And hallelujah, I look forward to that. The third thing I wrote down is that this woman was truly born again. One evidence is that she showed immediate concern for her town. Immediate. She had a concern for the spiritual well-being of the people she lived around who hated her guts. Huh? Why? Why doesn't she want to simply just, you know, reform herself, straighten up, move to a new neighborhood, maybe a little something nicer, a little something out of the way so that nobody knows her, maybe she can start again? No, she went right back into the very people who knew her, and it, she had the most powerful testimony. Don't tell me that Andrew and Peter will not be used in the kingdom of God. They are disciples that will be given thrones to judge over the tribes of Israel. They will be powerful in their day. And they will be martyred for their faith. And they will be effective to the nth degree. But this lady was used in her town because she was the one in that town. So, so I believe that it is from this town that the gospel needs to go out. And it's from us. You don't need Billy Graham to come in here. You don't need somebody with some, some good lighting and some nice sound equipment. You need us. And we need to be the simple us. And it needs to be in frailty and humility and in lowness. And that's how you change a town. You change a town when they're responding to Jesus, their maker. And the Jesus himself said, the fields are white unto the harvest. And you have to just say, Okay, that means right now in this town there are people ready to receive the Lord. Right now. Ready. That God has done all of the work. All of the work has been done and it's ready now. And suddenly now you're a reaper. That you are now not the plowman, you are the reaper. And remember what Amos said? Amos who died before all this happened. Amos who saw it but didn't exactly know what he was even writing. He said, behold, the days come that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Like the, the idea that the reaper, the reaper is going to be reaping so much that the guy is going to be sowing behind him as he's reaping so fast. It's not like that they're just moving on together. It, and, they, and he says here, Jesus says, that they are going to rejoice together. That the reaper and the sower are going to rejoice together. The sower are the prophets who have already died. These are the prophets who told people who God was. And, and as it built in their life and little things was built and it was growing and it was becoming something, it's only the, the people at the end who get to see the, the person coming to the Lord. Did you really lead that person to the Lord? No, God led them to the Lord. You simply reaped. And reaping is a lot easier than sowing. I'm coming to, I'm coming to the understanding. Because sowing, you got a big, hard piece of ground that's not ready, that's not treated, that's not soft, that's not ready, that there's no roots could grow in it, that it doesn't, it's not, it, it, there's, it's not ready. All, there's a trillion things that you have to do to make it ready before you can even plant. But when you reap, I'm not saying that it's not a hard day, but you just cut it off like it's done already. That's, it's done because God made it grow. So reaping and the sower will rejoice together. 
And he's talking to his disciples. You are the ones that are going to reap. But don't forget, it was the prophets that sowed. And when you come into to this dispensation, you are going to lead people to the Lord, and you're also going to talk to people. You are also going to, to testify of what God's done in your life, and nothing ever happens. And the dead people stay dead, and you walk away thinking, oh, I'm a worthless, I have no, God can't even use me. And God's like, oh, just believe me for once, that you speak, you live in front of people, you, you live in front of people, you live your life, and the water that's coming out of your heart, yes, will affect other people. And, it, and that little bit of planting, that little bit of watering, you will receive wages, it says. Jesus said the, they will, the reaper will receive wages. You will be rewarded. But it's the reaper and the sower benefit together. You don't have to say you get credit somehow, you get a, a goodie point if you lead someone to the Lord. No. You live in front of people. You speak in front of people. You, you resist evil in front of people. You, you say a good word for your Savior when, when God puts that in your situation. And all of that is sowing and watering and planting and reaping, and you will all be rewarded together. Because it's not about us. It's about him. It's about him. So all the, the city came out unto Jesus. That's what it says. She, see, now, I, as, I, as I looked at her as her gospel message, I think she's amazing. Okay? So my question to myself is, what did she not say that, she, that I would have probably said and blown it? Okay? So here's all of the ways that she could have gone to her town that I don't think would have been as effective. She could have gone as, I'm holier than now now, okay? Even though that I'm the harlot from town and everybody knows me, I'll act like the uppity one who's looking down my holy nose at you, okay? And I know people exactly like this, okay? Fifteen minutes ago, they were a, a junkie, and now they want to look down their nose at me and act like that I'm worse than they, that they're good. It's just a different way of sinning. That's a different sin. Okay? Don't just change sins and act like that you're helping me th towards the Lord. She didn't say, come see the Christ, as though now she's the preacher of righteousness and wants you to come to the Messiah. No. She talked about herself, and in her speech, she showed herself to be low. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Do you understand that in her testimony, she sounds worse to the town than she was before? She didn't make herself look better. She didn't spin it. She actually made herself lower. This man told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? He, she then put the question on them as come. And then she didn't say, go and see he's over at the well. He said, she said, come and see. Do you see how many things she did right? How many things she did right? Do you remember, do you remember Thomas, Thomas as he was coming in and, and he was talking about, oh, we've met the Messiah, Jesus, the, the Nazarene. Remember that? And you're like, everybody's like, what? The Nazarene? And messed people up just in his preaching. Like he, 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 was, he just made every possible mistake. She made no mistakes. As she, as she had water coming out of her, she, she was okay with being humble. And as she was being humble, she, she spoke, and it was God that was actually speaking. When Jesus speaks to his disciples later, and they say, they're going to haul you in front of kings, and you're going to be put to death right in front of them, and don't worry about what you're going to say. When you speak, 
the Holy Spirit will be speaking for you. You don't have to worry. Just, just have a testimony, have something to say, and then open your mouth and trust that God has, will keep his words. That's what he said. So she just opened her mouth and made herself low, but it wasn't, she wasn't false about it. She, and she said, come, I'm going back there right now. You come with me. That's what you do. You come with me to see Jesus because I'm going back because I, I want more and more of him myself. That's how you testify. And she never gave her jar another thought. Now, in 31, he's speaking to his disciples. In the meantime, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. This is 31. But he said to them, I have meat that you know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish it. Do you see, the disciples are urging Jesus to eat, but Jesus is hungering for something different. What Jesus is hungering for makes me think of Jesus bigger than I think of Jesus right now. I think Jesus is bigger than what I think he is. I'm positive that he's bigger than my estimation of him. Jesus is, was hungering for this. He was yearning for, hungering for, thirsting for, saving souls. That's what he wanted. He, that's what he wanted. He was about that. Was he thirsty? Yes. Was he tired? Yes. So when he asked the woman for a drink, was he kidding? No, he was thirsty. When he sat down on the well and just went, Ugh. was he tired? He was tired. And when they all went to, to, to the store to get something and came back, is he hungry? Yeah. So he's not saying, oh, I'm not hungry, you eat. He didn't say that at all. What he's saying is what I'm really hungering for is to do the will of the God who sent me. His will is that these souls would be safe. That's his will, that I be their savior. His will is that I'm the savior of the world, and that's what I want. And so he was hungering for something <clears throat> that couldn't be accomplished until he died. He was, he was chafing at the bit to do his will. He looked at all of those Samaritans. By the well, the way, there wasn't a whole town of Jews that came to him. There weren't. These were people so compromised that their religion was so silly. It was just a mishmash of just whatever, leftovers and weirdness. And they came to him to, as the town. They all came to him and, let me give you the town's hospitality. Stay with us. And by the way, Jesus stayed with them two days. Who does Jesus come to? The ones who want him. He comes to the ones who invite him. Those are the ones he comes to stay with. Because they're so good and upstanding? No, these were the dogs. And Jesus called them the dogs. He knew they were the dogs. But the dogs invited him. He went to dinner with them for two days. <clears throat> and it said he wanted to do the will of the one who sent him. And his will was that Jesus be their savior. I'm going to pull a, a really strong verse. <clears throat> this is from Luke 12. But, it, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am straightened till it be accomplished. Look at those words just for a second. I want them to sink in. Seriously strong. Jesus said, something is going to happen to me. I'm going to be baptized, which is just completely inundated, like I'm sunk in water. I have a baptized to be baptized with, and how I am straightened till it be accomplished. 
He is chafing at the bit to get to the cross. No, I do not understand. I do not understand the love of Jesus. Don't. He wanted the cross. He couldn't wait. He wanted it. He wanted it. He wanted it like food. He wanted it like water. He wanted to be our savior because that was God's will for us that we would be rescued. My goodness, my goodness, I can't, I just can't imagine that he would want it like food. And he said, I have food that you know nothing of. Now notice how he said that to his disciples. He is the teacher of all teachers. He tantalized them. I have food you don't know about. Well, what's the next question on their hearts? They're like, what kind of food? I mean, come on. That's how you do it. That's the trick. You, that's the trick every teacher does. You're like, I don't want to tell you something because then you'll ignore me. I want to make you want it. Then I'll kind of tell you a little bit. And then if you're really good, I'll tell you what I was going to tell you all along. That's what Jesus does. I have food you know nothing about. This is verse 35. Say you not there are four months to the harvest. Okay. So this is right after the Passover. Right. The Passover. Then it's the spring. So they just planted four months. So is there a full summer coming? Is it not four months to the harvest? I tell you right now, the fields are white unto harvest at the moment. You look out at this field and you can barely see the plants that you've just put in the ground. I tell you, all of it is ready for harvest right now. They're ready for harvest. 36, and the reaper re receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that, he, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and other reaps. I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you have entered into their labors. I promise you. When you spoke to that person that one time and, and you thought nothing happened and someone else led them to the Lord, both of you are going to rejoice. You're not going to be jealous of that person for what they got to do. And they're, they're, they're thankful that you did your part and you're thankful that they did their part. The man that led me to the Lord, the only thing I ever said to, his, to him is get out of my face. I said, get out of my face. And I walked away from him, and in 15 minutes, I was saved. <laughs> who is he? Where is he? I don't even know. It's the slightest idea who he is. Never, I never knew his name. He walked up. He talked to me about the Lord. I was indignant. I was rude. I, I just told him to get away from me. And I walked off in a huff. And I couldn't stop thinking about Jesus Christ for the next hour. And I was, I was in the kingdom within an hour. That's remarkable. Does he get credit for that? It doesn't work. That's not credit. He receives wages because he was faithful. But how many thousands of people were faithful in my life? How many people prayed for me when I was lost? How many people told me the gospel? How many Sunday school teachers cried over me because I was an idiot? They receive wages. Do you see? It's because we are, it's not about us. It's about what God does. God is the one who makes the plants grow. He that waters and he that reaps is the same. Verse 39, many Samaritans believed for, for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Many. What a testimony to this lady. What a testimony. 
Is there anything greater? Is there anything that she could have done in her life that was any greater than that? That there are people in the kingdom now forever alive because of something she did that she didn't even mean to do. It was just responding because she was, had a river of life coming out of her heart. It was just responding. That's all it was. How shall they call upon him that they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how they shall hear without a preacher? You have to open your mouth. And it doesn't matter that you think you're not very good at it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not how it works. She's the least likely to be the apostle. Of the, everybody in, the, in this story, she's the least likely and the most effective. This is verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come to him, they besought that he would tarry with him, and he abode two days, and many more believed because of his own word. It's because they listened to Jesus. As soon as they listened to Jesus, they responded to Jesus. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So when you look at the death of Jesus on the cross, who were his apostles? There was a thief on the cross. Dying next to him, he was an apostle. And there was an army officer, a charge of a hundred men, who was in charge of the execution squad that day. And the last verse of Mark, it says right there in, in 16, and the centurion looked when Jesus breathed his last and said, this indeed was the Son of God. Are you thinking you can't be used? Or do you think, do you think God is impotent? He's not. He can use you. But you must be clean. You want to be clean? He'll use a plastic peanut butter jar as a, as, a, as a glass, I promise. He doesn't need a crystal chalice. He'll use you. He'll use me. But you submit yourself to him, and God clean us that we might be used in this town, that we might be used in our families, that we might use even in our own lives, that you might teach me that I might love you more. That's my prayer for myself and for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. To our Savior, we pray. We thank you that you are great and glorious and, and that you do all things well. We ask that you would enable us to have rivers of life coming out of our heart that would spring up unto eternal life and that we would be used in your kingdom during our life. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.